The message you are listening to is recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2019 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. So, you're confused about where this is? This is the talk is called Greatness in the Mundane. Thanks. A lifelong walk with God. So I put the description on here because there's a lot of confusion about it. If you read it in here, I'm not going to be talking about rom-coms. I don't know how that got in there. I'll just read it just for fun, just to see if this lines up even remotely to what I'm about to talk about. Whether it's the latest rom-com, your Instagram feed, or even well-meaning friends and family, it can seem like your life doesn't start until you're in a relationship. As Christians, we know that the Bible considers singleness a gift. This is all good stuff, but I'm not going to be talking about it, so I'll stop there. This is the description of the talk. If this doesn't interest you, I would not be offended if you thought I'll go somewhere else. So I'm not going to be talking about singleness, just to make sure you know that. Okay. I'll, I'll start in just a few minutes. I just want to give you guys a heads up before I do. So you can talk amongst yourselves if you want. What's up, Luke? 
hear me? You guys hear me in the back? Um, my, I, I had the privilege of getting to um, serve at the basketball tournament yesterday, and my voice is gone after that. So, sorry, I'm a little bit quieter and sound a little worse. I'm not sick, so you don't have to be, like, scared of me or anything. Um, but I'm really excited you guys are here. Um, just a reminder for those of you who just came in, I made this announcement earlier. This, this talk is called Greatness in the Mundane, A Lifelong Walk with God, and this is the, the correct explanation. It, it was right on the... Um, the app, but not in your booklet. In your booklet, it sounded like it was a talk for like dating and singleness, and so this isn't that. Um, there should be a good one for that after this, the relationship talk. So it'll be a good one to go to. Um, but yeah, so uh, um, if if that's new to you or news to you, I really won't be offended if you decide I need to go somewhere else. So because it's pretty much I I intentionally, by the way, this PowerPoint. I literally just put it together. I didn't know I was going to have. I didn't request PowerPoint capabilities, but I got it, so I, I did one. And it's, it's intentionally a mundane PowerPoint, so I did it on purpose. Um, thematic, right? Um, so, uh, greatness in the mundane. So, um, this talk has been something that's been on my mind for a while. I, uh, I was really thankful and honored to get the opportunity to get to speak with you guys. And uh, also thankful that they allowed me to kind of choose some input on what, what I got to speak about. And so I actually chose this topic to speak with you guys about. Um, it's personally something that I've... I've I've uh, been thinking about over the last several years. Um, so yeah, let me introduce myself before I go any further. Um, my name is Dayton Merrill. Um, I work uh, on staff in the CO St. Louis region. I'm the campus director at SIUE. That's Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. So just across the river from St. Louis on the Illinois side. And uh, I have a wife. Her name is Hope. And we have two little kids, um, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, three-year-old boy, Garrison, and one-year-old daughter, Oakland. And um, they're here with me uh, this, this week week, and uh, we're really glad to get to be here with you guys. Um, but as I was saying, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and, and it's something that's been kind of like been adding and, and evolving all throughout even the conference. There's been things that Mac has been saying, that Tony's been saying even this morning that has kind of been helping me reshape w what I even want to share with you today. So um, it, it might, if you've been around me, it might look like that I've been procrastinating and not writing my talk, but I've just been thinking about it so much. That there's a lot I want to share. I'm going to really try and condense it for you guys. But I say that to say that um, one of the things that Max said in the second session has really helped me think about um, this talk today. Um, Mac talked about the passage where Jesus calls us to take up our cross daily and follow him. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, but Mac made a distinction that th there's, a, there's a quick taking up of our cross and there's a slow taking up of our cross. He said a quick taking up of our cross um, is the one that is, uh, is, is much more immediate and has immediate effects and results and emotions, and uh, we feel it and we see it very quickly. Um, he shared the illustration of um, uh, a woman in his church that um, was choosing to be baptized, and he said he was talking with her about it as she had a one-year-old sitting on her lap, recognizing that this woman, in her context, for her to be baptized, um, there would now be debt threats probably be coming on her life, right? Um, he, he shared that as an example of a quick taking of a cross, so in the sense of, is it going to have quick immediate results that I'm going to have to deal with, and I'm, I'm choosing to follow the Lord in this way. But he also said there's, there's a slow taking up of our cross. And uh, that slow taking up of the cross is not something that you immediately uh, are emotionally driven into or, or even have a, a, um, immediate emotional results or um, is not uh, seen. It's not really attractive. It's not exciting necessarily. But it's still taking up the cross nonetheless. And that's what this talk is about. So that's what you hear about, the unexciting, unseen, run-of-the-mill, everyday, mundane life of walking with God. That's what we're talking about tonight, today. So, again, you can still leave if you want to, but you don't have to. Um, I hope you don't, because I think this is something that, um, personally, I haven't thought through as much as I'd like to, and something I think a lot of Christians, especially young Christians in our generation, fail to think about a lot. So really where we're going um, in this is... Uh, is really, here's my main point, <laughs> literally, Monday, right, main point, because the supremely glorious God is over all things, we must faithfully serve him in even the most mundane things or mundane tasks, okay, because he's supremely glorious over all things, he's the God over all things, that means we need to faithfully serve him in all things, even the most mundane tasks. Um, so let's, um, 
actually, we'll go back, sorry. Um, when I think about this, uh, that's, that's kind of my prayer, my thought for you guys is that my hope for this, when you, when you walk away, um, th- there's not going to be a ton of like, all right, here's the three steps I need to apply from this. Um, rather, it's, the, it's the, the 40 or 50 years you need to apply from something like this. <laughs> um, it's going to sound a little strange like that, but, but really the hope with this is that you would walk away with a, a greater sense of the reality that this is a long haul following Jesus. Um, and not, not leave intimidated by the long haul, but eager to enter into that race, eager to enter into that marathon. Um, and I love this. I saw this actually from an article that I think he probably will do a much better job than what I'm sharing about. But Kevin DeYoung is a pastor maybe some of you are familiar with. But this is what he said. He said, that's my dream for the church. A multitude of faithful, risk-taking plotters. A plotter is someone who just, to plot along is to trot like slowly, you know, just faithfully plotting. They just keep moving. They're not impressive, kind of slow, but they keep going. The best churches are full of gospel-saturated people holding tenaciously to a vision of godly obedience and God's glory and pursuing that godliness and glory with relentless, often unnoticed, plotting consistency. It's the faithful, unseen work of a nobody Christian who just chooses to keep following him. And that's my hope and prayer for us too. That's my hope and prayer for me. That's my hope and prayer for my family, my kids, my generations to come is that we would be people who are faithfully committed to following Jesus. So that's where we're going. Um, And so before we do, let me actually pray for us and ask the Lord to help us. Um, Lord, I I pray that. I pray that we would be a people who would really be risk takers, uh, who would aggressively and lovingly share our faith. But I also pray that we would be people who would patiently um, and do it with perseverance, endure to the end of following you and obeying you, even in the most small, seemingly insignificant things that you've called us to in our life. We want to be obedient in the big things, but we also want to be obedient in the small things too, because you're Lord overall. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So uh, here's the verse we're really working out of, and you'll kind of see even in the main point. This verse, Romans 11:36. last year I had, uh, was kind of going on a walk and was just praying, and, and this verse was just sticking out to me. This is an easy one to memorize. So if you want to add, you know, maybe, you, maybe you're new to memorizing scripture um, or you want to add a new one that's an easy one to pick up. This is a really good one. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So this is, the him is God. And this is one of those ones, if you sit and really think about it, like I did when I was going on my walk, it just begins to get bigger and crazier and more awe-inspiring the more you think about it. From him are all things. So think about that. From, from God are all things. There's not one thing that is not from him. Um, so every, every human who's an image bearer is from him, right? We, we see that. that but Tony just talked about that. But man, so is every, every atom, every cloud in the sky, um, every... Uh, Every good work, every, everything um, that exists that is good, it, it's from him. Um, all the good things that you enjoy and get to experience, they're all from him. But they're not just from him, and, and that's it. And he just sets it in the motion and leaves it to go. But now everything is actually able to keep going through him. That uh, anything of any lasting worth, anything that's good and right in the world, it's happening through him because he's, he's empowering it. He's sustaining all things. It's through him. In the end, I mean, that's, that's the cool part. That's the part we long for, and that's the part that's, that's happening even now. It's all to him. It's all back to him for the glory and praise. And that, that's why he says, to him be glory forever. Because it's, without him there is nothing. And out of nothing he made everything. So from him and through him and to him are all things. That all things is very important, and that's where we're going next. All things. I really enjoy this quote. It's something that's actually, there's a lot more to this even in the guy who said it and what he was, the context in which he was saying it. But um, Abraham Kuyper is a Dutch theologian that has really influenced the church in a lot of ways. He said, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is Lord over all, does not exclaim, mine. So there's not one square inch. Now, I don't know about where you come from, where you think about all that. But I came up from a background that would have said, um, yeah, of course, of course. 
However, if you looked at my life, I had this kind of uh, this line um, of where I would separate things into a couple different categories. And I separated things kind of into a spiritual category and kind of a, a non-spiritual or secular category, right? Um, so the spiritual category would be you know, church, Bible study, prayer, fellowship with other believers, evangelism. Um, you go down the list of fasting. Um, all, all these different spiritual activities are spiritual um, things. Um, but then all the rest of life was, was secular, right? The problem with that is it's just not biblical. Um, because from him, through him, and to him are all things, correct? And so if we even look at the creation story, man, he made it all. He made all the trees. They were good to the eyes. They were good to eat. Um, in the same way that he made uh, all animals and that they were made good. Um, and he made them with value and purpose. And so because they're all, all things, that he, he made them all. He says they're mine. That's important for us to know. Because if something is the Lord's, if he owns it, and he's the supremely glorious God, we should be pretty concerned with what he thinks about that and how we should be handling those things. And we should be concerned with how we obey him in those areas. And so um, that's um, kind of where we're going next is, um, you know, all of life is sacred. Um, and uh, because of that, we're called to faithfully serve. Excuse me. So um, I've kind of distinguished faithfully serve into two things. This is the first point. Sorry, this is the first point. To faithfully serve uh, might look slow, tedious, difficult, and unimpressive. So um, let me uh, ex explain this here. So um, part of the reason why I get excited about this talk and when I think about um, you guys, myself, um, college students I meet all the time on the campus, um, and uh, when I think about even just the world around us, I think right now our generation and you know even the younger generations um, beneath us, um, we're in a time where um, there are so many options and so many things that are set before us, so many exciting, amazing things that we see every day, um, that uh, it's really difficult for us to value anything that's mundane. It's really difficult for us to see any value in the slow things. It's really difficult for us to see anything that's worthwhile that can't happen within, you know, at the most, maybe a year, right? Um, and not only that, um, you know, you see a lot of it on, on these things, right? Our phones, our um, social media, and you, maybe uh, and you got to go to like the anxiety talk or depression talk. Um, you guys are fully aware that uh, our generation, this, your generation is um, one of the most resourced, actually the most resourced as far as materials, all that stuff, um, connection to the world. However, we're, we're um, some of the most depressed and anxious people that have ever been on the face of the planet. So we see there's, there's got to be some kind of a connection there. And I think, I'm, I'm convinced that one of the biggest connections there is because we're, we're thrown so many options and we're thrown so many amazing things that we should be saying, wow, that's really cool that my friend got to go to France or my friend is on the beach in Cancun right now or, man, it's really cool that person's getting in the word and, you know, and sharing that verse with me right now. Instead, what I do is I think, man, I need that, or I, I should be doing that, or what, what's the next thing I need to do? And whether you're not saying that, you're feeling that. It, it does something in your heart. It makes you long for something more. So when you turn back to um, look yourself in the mirror after you just rolled out of bed and from looking on your, your, your feed, you look yourself in the mirror, you're like, um, I'm pretty unimpressive, and my schedule's pretty blank today. I'm just going to hang out my dorm. You know? Then you're like, ah, oh, crap. Um, i got to figure out something to do. So we start texting people. We try, we try to figure out how am I going to fill my day to make it more impressive or not, not necessarily so that other people will know, but just so I can feel like my life's worthwhile. You know what I mean? And um, I think that's, that's one of your biggest enemies when it comes to faithfully following Jesus for a lifetime is that you're always looking for something more. And the reality is it can be easy for us as Christians, um, for those of you who are Christians here, to look at the world and think like, oh man, that's, the world's really caught up in that. The world's really caught up in the next biggest thing or the most money or the next job or that next vacation or experience or whatever it might be. But I think the reality is that when you come into Christ, when you enter that relationship with God, you're freed from that, but you still come in with a lot of that baggage. And you end up, we can end up adopting that into our Christian walk. And we, we can end up looking for exciting, big, crazy, cool things in the Christian life. And again, the problem with that is that 
that doesn't seem to be the narrative of Scripture either. Um, it, what, what happens is that we maybe um, we get really excited. Um, we get really excited at New Year's Conference. And I'm going to step aside and say, you should be really excited at New Year's Conference. Like, you should be really glad with the things God's doing in your heart right now. This is no way detracting from that. In fact, I'm, another aside, I, my goal in this talk is, is not to devalue either, but rather to hold to intention. This is not a spectrum of you got to land somewhere in the middle, but I want you to hold on one end, man, it is exciting to follow Jesus, and I want you to take risks in following him and step out in faith in unique, crazy ways, but I also want you to hold on to this reality that, man, it's, it's a slow process, and he's called me to do it for a lifetime, so that's a jump back in. So that, that's kind of why I say that. And uh, so it's counterintuitive. It's countercultural and it's counter to the world that you're, you're faced with um, to want to enter into the mundane things of life. And so uh, before we keep going, you might even ask, what is mon- mundane? Uh, maybe even be a word you're like, this is annoying. I don't even know what that word means, but people say it all the time. I get like that sometimes with words. But um, mundane, really what it means is it's something that is unexciting, normal, everyday, unimpressive. So I was just kind of thinking about for you guys, what, what are mundane things in your life? So I just kind of came up with a list, and you guys can maybe add to them. Um, I, I think mundane, it's the 8 a.m. class you have on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It's, it's the laundry and dishes you do with or for your roommates. Um, it's the friendship that you keep choosing to intentionally invest in rather than letting it slip into a relationship oriented around what you do together. Um, I think it's, it's the way you actively consider how, how you can honor your parents. I think it's, it's the way you choose to not bash that professor that everyone else in your class seems to feel the freedom to keep bashing because they keep giving you a tough, tough tests. Um, it, it's, when, it's the way you, um, it's when you choose, when you keep choosing, even when you don't feel like it, to have a daily intake of God's word. Um, it's keeping track of your finances, not because they're yours, but because they are God's and that he's entrusted them to you. It's refusing to drift into isolation and actively seeking to know and be known by other believers in your life. It's um, choosing to take your study seriously because you understand that part of your calling, one of the many callings in your life is that you're a student. It's part of your job. It's what God's um, sovereignly allowed you to be a part of, right? You take it seriously. It's also choosing to not take your studies so seriously that you cut yourself off from all the other callings God has put in your life. Namely, um, maybe the friends in your life that you have the opportunity to share your faith with, but you maybe are hiding behind your studies and saying that, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a student. I gotta, I'd be focused on that. And, and maybe neglecting that maybe, uh, you're also a Christian first. And it's choosing to slowly unpack your story with friends, mentors, and even professional counselors who can help you grow in mental and emotional health in order to love, serve, and lead others. Um, those are just a few, like, that's just life, right? Like, I just listed off a lot of life. It's, it's um, going home and actually being present with your family because you don't get to be with them very much, and you want to know them, and you want to talk to them more. Even though it's probably not very fun, you'd rather be hanging out with your friends. Um, it's, uh, I'll let you in the window of my life. In my life, it's... It, one, uh, one day possibly yours. Um, it's changing diapers in the middle of the night. It's getting on the floor and playing with my one-year-old and three-year-old kids, even when I'm about to fall asleep doing it. Um, it's sitting down at the dinner table and actively seeking to, to know how my wife's day was and getting to know my two children more. Um, it, it's, it's coming home after work and refusing to go to entertainment first, but asking how my wife's day was and seeking to know her more. It's mowing my grass. Um, that's evidence of, of God calling it. He, he's called us to be cultivators of, of his world, taking care of it. It's, it's paying my bills. That's evidence that God's made me a financial steward of the things he's entrusted to me. It's doing my taxes. I'm a citizen. I got to do that. Um, it's taking time to reflect on life and asking the question, in what ways can I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbors and myself? It's just life, right? Like it's just how do I follow Jesus and obey him in all aspects of my life? And so that, that's, just, that's a picture, that's a, a glimpse of the mundane. And I think um, uh, what I would say too is that um, oftentimes this can be uh, very um, unappealing in a lot of ways. We might be asking like, why? Why do we want to do this? 
I mean, we'll get to that in just a second, but here's a, actually a passage I want to look at. So Luke 17, 7 through 10. So even before we read this, I think there can be a temptation, again, like I said, culturally, when I think, um, man, I, I don't know if I can really settle for something like that. Um, I think this verse is uh, one of those passages I'm not as familiar with, I wasn't as familiar with, and I hope this might be one that we actually hold on to a little more, because I think it's good for us in our very privileged society um, where we live um, in a lot of ways. But um, this is what Jesus said. Will any of you, uh, will any one of you who has a servant <clears throat> plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field? So he's talking to people in, in this context, this, this historical context. That was normal for people to have people who work for them, to have slaves um, and who servants who helped take care of their, they were employed basically by the master. So come at once and recline at table. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. So he's asked, Jesus is kind of asking these rhetorical questions. The answer to all those questions is no. Like, you're not going to say to your servants, hey, um, come, come sit down and join, have food with me, which you put this against other things that Jesus says. You might think, wait a second. Well, we're talking about in that context. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, the servants, they know their place. They do their job. He's saying, no, you don't ask them to come join you for food. You tell them, hey, serve me food. And then after I'm done, you do your thing. You can have your food. Um, and they don't necessarily thank them because this is what, it's your job. You do that. Jesus is making that comparison of those lowly servants who don't get thanked, they just do their job, they don't get to sit down and have a meal with the, the master. He's saying, that's, that's you and me. He's saying, our response would be, we're just unworthy servants. We've only done what was our duty. Now, I say that not to doubt, I, I hope you don't leave that and say like, oh man, I'm just, but hopefully it's a proper sobering of, at the end of the day, that's what we are. Yes, you are a son and daughter of Christ. That does not take away from that. But we also have to acknowledge, man, the Lord who's over all, all things are from him and through him and to him. We're just servants. Like, we don't, we don't get to pick and choose the exciting things or the mundane things. Like, will we faithfully serve him with the mundane, everyday things? I'm just an unworthy servant. It's just my duty, Lord. I, I love that. I love that posture. I want that. I, I want that for you. I want that for me. Um, and I think, um, I think uh, even now kind of transitioning to the second point of faithfully serving is that we might think, but will there be any lasting effects? Like, how do I know this is actually going to matter? You know, we're, we're learning about the importance of man. There, there's a world out there to be reached. There are tribes, tongues, and nations who do not know Jesus, and they need to know him. Um, I think uh, our sister, I forget her name, she shared testimony yesterday as you saying, how will people know if you don't sit down and talk to them, right? You got you to teach them. I love that she said that. Um, and I think, um, sorry, I'm blanking on what I'm going to say. But I, I think really what I'm, what I'm getting at is that I think um, in order for us to be able to do that, we also have to acknowledge that it, it's, it's not just the quick things, but it's also really faithfully serving for a long time. <laughs> And um, how many of you have ever heard of crazy, this sculpture that's going on in, in uh, South Dakota? Literally, go ahead and raise your hand if you've ever, okay, good, more than I thought. Um, how many of you have actually seen it in person? Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you, you wouldn't really know anything else going on in South Dakota unless you've been there. So, um, so this, excuse, no offense, um, this is a um, enormous sculpture. I forget the... If you've been there, maybe you can help me of the dimensions versus Mount Rushmore. But this is what the end result is going to be. Um, that's what they're working on. This project started 70 years ago. Um, I can't even remember the guy's name because uh, it's really hard to pronounce. He's a Polish-American man who um, lived in the Black Hills of South Dakota who uh, basically um, had a strong burden to honor the Indians who once lived there. Um, who were defeated by um, the invading white men. And um, so he wanted to uh, cut this amazing sculpture out of an enormous mountain. I, I want to say something like five times the size of what Mount Rushmore. Go ahead. I'm pretty sure his head is the size of 
Okay, that's more like it. The head's massive. Um, and I wish I had more pictures to show you. I don't right now, but um, I mean, you can see one of the machines up here. It's, it's a very large um, equipment there. But um, <laughs> the proper name. Um, my point with all this is this one dude had this vision to do this. And if you get a chance to watch this documentary in this guy's life, um, it's pretty amazing. Um, but he chose to do this kind of on his own. And he died before he even got to see the face finished. The face is cool. Um, and, it's, and this is cool, but it's also like, ah, it's not that impressive. Right? I mean, it's like, it's just a hole in the mountain and a face. And it, it is amazing knowing what all went into it. But he was faithfully plotting, working, so that one day he might get to see this happen, right? He didn't even know if it was actually going to happen in his lifetime. But he thought, if I could work really hard at this, then maybe something amazing might happen. And um, I think that's a lot of what we're dealing with when we talk about faithfully serving the Lord. So it's slow, tedious, and um, difficult, and uh, unexciting, and unimpressive, yet it's, it's strong, enduring and glorious so I'll put these references up here um, the way that the Bible talks about people who are faithful plotters who follow Jesus for a long time is remarkable um, I really would invite you to, to read and study Hebrews 11 if you ever get the chance maybe you might be familiar with it it's a passage where the author of Hebrews just, um, just starts recalling all these faithful people from the Old Testament and you also recall a lot of the faithful people from the Old Testament were big-time screw-ups. However, they remained faithful, trusting in God, trusting in things they could not see, and trusting in promises that they didn't even receive fully in their lifetime. Just like the dude who started on the crazy horse. He didn't get to see it finished, but he was trusting that one day somebody else would carry on to complete it. But Hebrews um, 11, 16, uh, this is one of the most amazing things in Scripture. Um, God says that these people that were faithful, he says that he was not ashamed to be called their God. He was not ashamed to be called their God. Um, the Bible is written in a shame honor culture. Max Stiles talked about how he lives in a shame and honor culture. He talked about to not be ashamed of something means that you honor it. So if you flip that, what Jesus is saying, or what, what that verse is saying, he's not ashamed to be their God. He's saying, I'm honored to be their God. These people who wandered in the desert for 40 years, Moses who died in the desert, never seeing what God called. And you might say, okay, yeah, Moses saw some crazy big things like, you know, freaking walk through the Red Sea. That's amazing. But he also wandered in the desert for 40 years. Like, that's terrible. Um, or you see these other people who just patiently endured with, with people who were disobeying the Lord. Or Abraham, who had no reason, like he had nothing in sight to hold on to, but he kept choosing to follow the Lord and trust him. Even though he didn't get to see all of it finally realized. But yet God says he's not ashamed to be their God and he's honored to be their God. And then in verse 38, on top of that he says, these are people of whom the world is not worthy. Sorry. I think I want to I be described like that someday. Not because, I, you know, I want to be, you know, just somebody that, you know, everybody looks up to. But could you imagine for God to say that about you? Like, the world wasn't even worthy of you. That's amazing. And um, what he's getting at is he's saying that these people who are faithfully following me, and then the world wasn't worthy of them. Um, he's not saying that about just the people who are martyred for their faith, who died early on. That's amazing. And we want to hold those people in high regard. I hope one day if... if for whatever reason, somebody puts a gun to my head and says, are you a Christian? Would you be willing to die for your faith? I hope I say yes. And we, want, we ought to honor those people who are willing to die for their faith. We have to. However, I can't help but think maybe it's, it could be even more difficult to not just die for Jesus, but to live for Jesus for a long time. And that's what these people did, and that's how God says that they should be. Zephaniah 3.17, man, he talks about how the Lord exalts over them with loud singing. And he rejoices over them with gladness. He says that over his people, over his children. And that, that's the type of people that I, I want to be. Like, that's, that's who he's called me to be. That's who he says I am. I want to be that. 2 Timothy 4, 8, this is Paul, um, you know, one of the greatest leaders of our faith. Um, he's entrusting this last letter to his, his right-hand man that he's invested his life into. 
And he says, my life's like a drink offering. It's being poured out. And I'm about ready to receive the crown um, for my labors, for, my, for faithfully following him to the finish. And not only me, but all who follow him to the finish. And so that, that's, that's what's at stake. Um, what's at stake is not just like, can you say that you did it to the end and, hey, good job. No, like, what's at stake is glory. <laughs> there's glory in the mundane. It's not just mundane is the mundane. It's, it, no, there's glory. There's glory there. And God is honored by your, your faithfulness in all areas of life, all the way to the end. And so um, just a couple pitfalls I think of, and there's one more point after this. Is two things I think about is um, there's, there's two ends kind of that we can, two little uh, ditches we can fall to on the side is, in college, I've seen so many friends, so many dear friends who, who profess faith in Christ or, or who came to Christ in college who were so excited to follow Jesus. We were, were excited to be faithful, to share their faith, and did some pretty amazing things in the short term. But it was just a short period. Um, they treated the life of following Jesus like it was a sprint, only to find out they were burnt out and they couldn't even make it to mile one in the marathon. Um, I share that to say is I think um, this does not detract, again, this does not detract from, man, walk by faith. Do some crazy things in obedience to the Lord. Share your faith with your fraternity and sorority brothers and sisters. Like, share your faith with that roommate that you think, man, there's no way he'll respond to the gospel. Um, pray and lovingly serve your family with the hopes that they would come to know Jesus. Like, do those, um, you know, extreme radical things of sharing your faith in different ways or doing things by faith. But however, recognize that it's a, it's a long walk. It's a long um, following of Jesus. And on the other end is, I think there's also a way that we can have passive faith that never really takes any risks. So you might be here and be like, man, amen. I've been, people harping on sharing their faith. What about the faithful people who just you know, do their job, pay their taxes, vote the right way? Oh, you know. But I would say if, if that's kind of your mentality, I would challenge you maybe consider, is your faith passive? Like, are you just kind of hiding behind your other callings and missing out on maybe the ways God's really clearly calling you to step out in faith? Um, not just in the evangelism, but in all other kinds of ways, the way you handle your finances, the way that you enter into relationships and serve and love, welcome people into your dorms or apartments or homes one day. You know, I think there's also a pitfall of, of hearing this and think, good, now I have a past to not, to not step out in faith, share my faith with people or whatever that might be. So those are two kind of pitfalls, but um, that's the end of my PowerPoint. The last, last point I have for you guys that I want to encourage you in, in, um, to think about is you might hear this and think, um, man, uh, that sounds awesome. That sounds glorious to think about one day being able to, that to be said about me. But if I'm honest, man, I really suck at the mundane. I'm, I'm pretty bad at faithfully following the Lord. In fact, you might be thinking about your time over break. You might think, man, that was, I didn't come into conference very healthy and um, really loving the Lord in a lot of ways. Um, what I would say to you is I would th say, that makes sense, and uh, I'm right there with you. And I want you to know that, um, that your faithfulness in mundane parts of life isn't what saves you. Um, just in the same way that your works don't save you. Just in the same way that sharing your faith doesn't save. Just in the same way that reading your Bible doesn't save you. Um, in fact, it was Jesus' faithfulness in the mundane parts of life that saves you. It was Jesus' faithfulness to God in all parts of life that saves you. Um, you weren't saved by your works, but you were saved by somebody's works. You were saved by Jesus' works. You were saved by his faithful life that was willingly sacrificed as the Lamb of God spread on the cross, right? Tony was just showing that image. And... Um, that, that's the hope you have in all of this. Because the faithful plotting is not a perfect plotting. I never said that once, I don't think. The faithful plotting is a faithfully repenting and believing and failing and repenting and believing and failing again and screwing up and feeling dry and, and you can't, like, I don't know if I can follow you anymore, Lord. But then you keep getting back up and you're surrounded by friends who keep challenging you, loving you, praying for you. And you see the other friends who do the same. You, it's, it's a journey, right? Um, I love Lord of the Rings. Anybody ever seen the movie? Um, or read the books? The books are actually 
even you get a better picture of the uh, long journey in the book because it's a very tedious read in a lot of ways. I loved it. Very detailed. Um, but a lot of times you watch a movie and think, oh, that, that journey took maybe a, a month. It took six months in the book. It was like six months of that whole long journey. And uh, nobody would ever watch Frodo and think, man, he did it perfectly. You know, the whole movie, you're like, why does he keep putting the ring on? He's screwing it up, you know? If you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, sorry. But um, he doesn't do it very well a lot, but he was faithful to the end. Um, and I show that just as a picture of like, it's a long journey and you need friends like Samwise Gamgee to get you there. But um, I think, I just want to encourage you that, um, yeah, that uh, this is a worthy calling on our life to continue to be faithful to the Lord. And so real quick, what I would love for you guys to do is, um, I've been asking other, uh, other guys and girls, like, hey, what did you learn from that seminar? And a lot of times, like, oh, what was it about? So I want to help you. Just do a one thought for this talk. Um, just to, like, I know I said a whole lot of things. What's the one thing that kind of stood out to you that you want to walk away with? Just do that real quick. And then after that, um, we'll just have maybe a few minutes of, if you want to, question and answers. Um, I would love to try to field some of those questions. So take, like, a minute, and then we'll do that. Be, but do you guys have any thoughts or questions? Or even, yeah, if there's any other thoughts that you guys have and you hear this, you're like, man, I would love to share this as an example of that, but questions? Yeah. So just in case if you couldn't hear that, she was asking, like, um, how do you discern the difference between just I'm, I'm being lazy and passive versus I'm just filling out my days to make sure I feel like I'm impressive and, and I'm actually being faithful? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think that you can discern the difference between whether you're being lazy or being passive or not is, is if are, – are you – do you understand your callings? When I say callings, I mean I say that plurally, intentionally. Um, every single one of us in here has multiple callings from God on your life. And you don't have to look, look, look too hard to figure that out. A lot of times we hear that, we think, yeah, I'm still trying to discern, you know, am I going to be an engineer or a minister, uh, missionary over in Nepal? It's like, yes, that is part of your discerning your calling. But one of your callings is you are all, I think, either staff members or college students, right? That's one of your callings. You are all, in some capacity, a son or a daughter. You are all, a, most likely, a brother or sister somewhere down there. You are all a friend. You are all a Christian. You are all a member of a, you know, maybe not yet. You might be a member of a church eventually. Um, you are a citizen. You know. So when I think about that, I think, am I faithfully carrying out my, my callings in some way? You know, And, and some callings have... Um, greater priority than others. Um, my role as a father does trump my role as a, a minister of the gospel. Um, uh, not that I don't do that within my fatherhood, but you, you know, like my, my role as a husband does trump my role with, uh, with guys I'm discipling or leading on campus. Um, so I said, I think that might be a helpful way to kind of discern that. I think on the flip side, how do you discern if you're just filling your time and filling your days? Are you able to stop and actually just sit and be with the Lord and not do anything productive? This is for my type A'ers out there or just go-getters. Are you able to stop for a little bit and just be there and not do anything? If you can't do that, that, that could be the Lord really kind of wanting to, wanting to ask you to just stop and slow down and just be with him, talk to him, um, and recognize that you don't have to be a machine. You're, you're actually a human. Um, who's not just meant to produce things all the time. We do produce things, but, you know what I mean? Yeah, Mike.
Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, what you just said, that's my life in a lot of ways. You, you see how you're in the wrong, you're like, ah, oh, I'm going to correct it, and you go way over on the other end, or, um, or you, uh, the, uh, you know how I said, it, it's, it's not so much a spectrum, but it's really two different things that I need to hold on to at both times, like, that there's a great need in the world, and we need to be part of that mission, but also recognizing that there's another part of my life that God's called me to be faithful right here where I am, um, I think if, it's just kind of crazy. When you start reading the Bible, New Testament, you think about this. Um, do you guys remember when Jesus um, casts uh, all these demons out of this dude, the man from the, on the, the Gerasenes or Gadarenes is the two pronunciations, and they all, he sends them into these pigs, and these pigs go off the cliff. It's a crazy story. It's this dude who's like breaking chains, like, you know, he's, he's possessed by demons. And afterwards... I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but he comes to Jesus and says, he wants to come with Jesus. He wants to be a follower of Jesus. He wants to be a disciple. And Jesus tells him, no. And you're like, wait a second. I thought that was the whole point, Jesus. Like, you need more followers. But he said, no, go back and tell him how much the Lord has done for you. Like, stay here and, and go back to the people that were scared of you and tell them how much I've done for you. So I think um, there's something there, too, of like, he experienced something radical. But God also told him to stay put. So I don't know if that really answers all your questions. I think it's, it's both. It's like you can experience something radical, but you're also just I, I'm also just here. Like I'm not immediately going to go to to China right now to be a mis- missionary. Maybe uh, and hopefully some of us are going to go. But I think there's also there's a real calling for you right here, right now. And I think the last thing I'd say, Mike, for that is the what Will said that was one of the themes of the conference is are, are we going to be with God? I think a good good uh, indicator is like, man, am I really walking with God? In my swinging of the pendulum, like, that might be the center, if there's a center, is like, am I being a beat where I really feel like I'm, I'm near to the Lord right now, I'm with him, I'm, I'm inviting him into my life, I'm open-handed in what I'm investing myself into right now. I think if you have a posture of open-handedness and talking to the Lord and bringing him into your life, um, it's like my good friend Chase Walker's doing a decisions talk right now, it's like, you're not going to make the wrong decision if you're doing it by faith in the Lord and you're trusting it. That, that's, you didn't get to go, so I'm telling you the synopsis of what he said. Like, um, If you're walking by faith and you're near to the Lord, you have the agency and ability to make a decision, and it's gonna be, he's going to be with you. So maybe one more. I didn't put this in the talk, but I'm going to just describe it to you. Um, that's really good. She said, how do you find hope in the mundane and how do you not just trudge through and get through? Um, so uh, a friend shared this with me one time, uh, a concentric circle of obedience to the Lord. So you got three circles. You got a big one, medium one, smaller one in the center. When it comes to obeying the Lord, we want to delight in loving the Lord. Um, read Psalm 119 or, or um, Psalm 19 as well, um, where it's just, you know, David's just right, I love your, your law, Lord. Your, your word, your commandments are beautiful to me. I love them. When you read that, sometimes I'm like, I am not feeling that right now. And I'm, in fact, I'm a little bit annoyed at you, David, that you would think like that. Because like, it feels hard, and I don't really want to obey right now. But that's the aim, right? Like, we, we've hopefully, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have experienced those times you're like, man, Lord, your law is good, and it's right for me. To, I want to. I delight in that. So the center circle is delighting. The next circle is I have a desire to. I'm not really delighting it, but, Lord, I want to. I really want to obey you right now. And the biggest one is um, uh, duty, <laughs> that there's a real duty reality of following Jesus. We're unworthy servants. It's just my duty. And that's the times when it's like, I don't feel like this at all. Um, 
And instead of giving in saying, therefore, because I don't feel it, I'm not going to do it. We lean in and we say, but Lord, you're the Lord and I, I'm going to obey you. Please help me to have the right desire and delight. Help, like, so I think that's the posture is I'm still going to obey. And in fact, everything outside of that circle, so you got your three Ds. The fourth D is disobedience. Everything inside of there, that's obeying the Lord. Now, we don't want to stay in that duty drudgery level of like, it's always just such a drag to be a Christian. You know, it's like, no, you want to move closer to the center. But um, outside of that, that's, that's the disobedience. That's, that's the only time we're disobeying is when we just willfully choose to say no. But we're praying all the time, like, Lord, please help me. I, I, I want, restore me to the joy of your salvation. Psalm 51 says that. So that's a really good question. Thanks for asking that. Let me pray for us, and then you guys can get going. God, thank you. Um, thanks for helping me in this talk. Thanks for leading me. Lord, I pray um, that your spirit would apply all that needs to be applied in every heart here. I pray that uh, they would forget everything that's not helpful, and uh, Lord, that you would be glorified, and that we would have a room full of and a conference full of faithful plotters who are glorious in your sight, Lord, who are, who are worthy in your sight. I pray that you would make us people like that. Not in our own strength, O oh Lord, but by your power and your might, help us to do that. So we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conyc.com.